Hello, everybody, and welcome to Inside Physician Recruiting. My guest today is somebody I am very excited to have on. Actually, we've uh, sort of been planning this for a while. It's Matt Reimer, currently with the both partner at Rogue Hire and also has a podcast in the space, which is Talent Acquisition in the Trenches. Uh, Matt's got a ton of experience. Previously was director of TA with Trinity um, Health and then previously uh, vice president of talent acquisition at UPMC. So very excited to find out um, a lot of things here. One, obviously want to delve into, you know, what is Rogue Hire and how could that potentially help others who are listening to this talk about, um, you know, his podcast and what, what he's experiencing. And really the, the most exciting thing for me, because it's something that comes up a lot, is this idea around strategy where, you know, there's really sort of two buckets of people in recruiting, those who are kind of on their heels and just, you know, dealing with what comes in the door and those that are actively setting out long-term plans. And he's an expert in that. So Matt, pleasure to have you on. Excited to chat with you today. Jerry, uh, thanks for, for having me, man. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, of course, of course. So so tell us first off, how did you get into the space? Everybody's got a unique yeah. entry. Yeah, so, um, you know, just recruitment for me, you know, just kind of like uh, you, you probably hear, you know, nine out of 10 times I fell into recruiting. And, and so, um, you know, I um, uh, not necessarily by design came out of Penn State with a marketing degree actually had a, um, an analyst role uh, lined up uh, after uh, I was set to graduate that right at the last minute uh, fell through for me. And so I, I actually had that um, job uh, in New York City. I was excited to move from Pittsburgh to New York City and, and uh, you know, kind of see what the big Apple, Apple had to offer, but fell through at the last minute. So I found myself um, back home uh, living with mom and dad and, and looking for a job. Uh, it was a good transition for me. I um, had uh, some time to actually help out with some some family stuff that we had going on uh, while I did my job search, but but got my career started uh, with a company called Tech Systems, so a, an IT staffing um, company, one of the largest held privately staffing uh, companies in, in the U.S., and really cut my teeth in staffing. So did that for 18 months or so, and then um, uh, had an opportunity to jump into uh, staff um, tech, uh, inside of UPMC, uh, the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. So I started there as a recruiter uh, and, um, you know, not on the clinical side, but, but more on trying to help get agency out of the, the system. And so uh, I did that for a while and uh, had some leaders there that believed in me and uh, uh, offered me um, uh, some opportunity to begin to lead teams, run teams. And then um, I spent uh, 17 years there. I left um, back in 19 uh, as our VP of, of uh, talent acquisition. We, we were doing a lot of M&A at the time. So it was uh, uh, kind of uh, on the recruitment side, helping, with, helping through that M&A. I think when, when I showed up, maybe the organization was 36, uh, 40,000 employees. I think when I left, it was near 100. Um, and so uh, got to go through a rapid growth mode there. Um, left UPMC to, to really um, begin to focus in on um, consulting, uh, and I ended up at Trinity Health, uh, you know, where I spent some time uh, there, uh, primarily for the last three years, uh, focused, uh, um, you know, really on internal optimization, helping to run some teams uh, uh, for Trinity, and, um, you know, uh, working through some transformation uh, initi initiatives there. Um, at the end of the year, um, you know, as you had mentioned, uh, I found myself uh, with a great opportunity 
um, to uh, uh, join uh, a partnership group and, and uh, stand up Rogue Hire. Uh, we um, recently um, reacquired a, a couple of businesses uh, under that the Rogue Hire brand, uh, one um, by the name of Lean Human Capital and the other is Recruiter Academy. And so uh, at Rogue Hire, um, you know, we, we focus uh, primarily on analytics, consulting, um, you know, training uh, for our clients. And so we've got uh, over 40 uh, healthcare clients uh, uh, coast to coast right now and working to get ourselves on a, on a growth track uh, here. Uh, and so... Um, that's the, the quick bio on how I got into recruiting and, and really what I've been doing in, in recruiting here for uh, the better part of the last uh, 20 years. So I would say I'm like in it. I'm, I'm probably like in it for good, I would say. So yeah. you're, you're committed at this point. <laughs> committed. Yeah, I'm totally committed at this point. So question with Rogue sure. Hire and the clients that you're working with. Yeah. Two things. One, what typically are clients facing when they decide they want to work with you and bring you in, what sort of challenges? And when you get there, what what do you see as the biggest issues? Is it usually what they're also asking about? Or yeah. are you uncovering other things that are some quick and easy um, areas that you think need to be looked at when you step into a new client? Yeah. At the top of the list, you know, right now in healthcare is, um, hey, uh, I don't have enough talent, right? I'm not, my, my TA team, my TA um, org is not producing enough for the demand that, that, that the organization has. Like the organizations in healthcare right now, and Jerry, you know this, are very thirsty for, um, you know, new hires, very thirsty for um, external, um, you know, so that's, that's typically like the, the, the first problem that, that comes out of, you know, a, a TA leader's, um, you know, point of view. The, the other thing that, that, that shows up pretty quick is um, them needing data, um, data uh, and analytics to support, um, you know, in essence, their activities, what they're doing, right? Like, hey, is this process doing what it needs to do? Um, which is something that, that we can unpack and something that, that we focus on, uh, you know, through our benchmark, our annual benchmark study, and then how we operate, um, uh, you know, our benchmarks uh, and intertwine them with scorecards that, that our customers consume from us. And then, you know, I, I think right now, especially in the market, um, uh, beyond, you know, hey, I, I need some consulting, I need some transfer, I got a transformation initiative, I need some 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 activation on, you know, a few key projects, can you help us lift those? Um, you know, th there's a lot of questions in the market uh, as it relates to, to technology and, and really how that's um, advancing, you know, or not advancing, you know, the recruiters or the sources inside of the organization. There's been a lot of uh, VC uh, over the last five five years pointed at, you know, uh, talent acquisition. A lot of money's been pointed there. There's been a lot of software that's been built, um, but I think there's a lot of confusion around what works and what doesn't work, right? And 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 so, uh, you know, that that shows up. And so, um, you know, we work really, um, you know, uh, um, hand in hand with the TA leader. Um, you know, on, on all a, uh, aspects uh, of their operation to help them improve and, and meet uh, their objectives, which, you know, I, again, based upon the maturity of the organization can vary widely, right? And, and yeah. so, and then based upon, you know, what, what's going on inside of the organization, hey, we're doing a ton of M&A, and so we got to figure out how to bring three or four T8, large TA teams together. 
um, you know, versus, you know, another small organization is like, hey, we're not doing a lot of M&A, but, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to optimize, you know, X, Y, and Z. Can you help me with that? So those are some of the activities that we do. You know, our, our main, um, you know, uh, one of our main things that we spend a lot of time on is our digital community. And so we've got uh, right now uh, in uh, Rogue a Healthcare Community, Rogue HCC, we built this on a platform called Mighty Networks. We've got a little over 1,500 um, uh, healthcare TA pros uh, inside of the community uh, that are engaging on different types of uh, activities with us, uh, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis, training, learning, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. Mighty Networks, that's Gina... Bianchini, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. We're, uh, uh, I don't know that we're an recent. early adopter of that, but we're, we're near that. And so love that platform, that, that yeah. platform, um, you know, at least for us uh, has allowed us to engage the broader TA community, create some unique experiences inside of that, uh, um, community and, um, you know, really enable us to communicate to the broader community effectively. Yeah. So 30,000 foot view, big picture. Sure. How do you sort of put these pieces together where we have less providers, the system that produces them seems to not be producing as many. Everybody I talk to says that providers now are probably half as productive as providers of an older generation for mm -hmm. multiple reasons. You have hospitals that are competing with staffing firms that are getting bigger and bigger. I just read something yesterday where the physician staffing firms did $18 billion last year. Wow. Over. So yeah, they're, they're growing. So they're obviously taking share away from hospitals. Yep. You've also got now Best Buy, Walmart, CVS, all these huge big box companies coming into the market. How does this all shake out and do, what do hospitals do to maintain you know, that top of the heat, because I mean, yeah. I even saw something where over the last five years, the largest provider or the largest employer and recruiter of healthcare clinicians wasn't hospitals. It's EVC. Yep. Yep. What does this all look like five years from now? Yeah. I mean, I, uh, it's a, it's a great question. And I think it's something that we're all pondering and, and all of us that are in healthcare, regardless of, of what your role is, you know, in some form, fashion, or the other, is is trying to solve. I mean, that's that's what that's why we're here is is trying to address that that core issue. You know, and, and I had um, uh, a guest on on my show here, you know, last week where we were talking about um, you know really advancements in machine learning and, and AI to support a lot of the admin that has you know kind of came at the providers, right? And so well, we talked a lot about you know just this idea of like how. Um, big of an idea and how important it was to deploy all these ER, um, these uh, all these um, uh, e uh, uh, electronic medical records EMRs uh, over the course of the last you know two decades right you know, that that's that movement has been afoot for a while aimed at you know I I think better health records you know better portability of records you know all of the things right but right and here comes the big but it's created a ton of admin uh, inside of, you know, the, the, the folks that want to practice, whether you're a nurse, your physician, yeah. whatever, to record all this information, right? And to keep track of it and to engage it and to, to turn it into valuable, um, you know, insights that they can act uh, on upon 
uh, for, um, you know, providing the quality care that they want. Right. And so I, I think that, you know, on the staffing side, you know, either we all have to get, you know, together more intently, maybe at a federal, local, state level, um, you know, to uh, incent and, and to inspire, you know, uh, our nursing schools and, you know, our um, provider, um, you know, education um, centers to, to, to produce more. Or we've got to find a different way to deliver healthcare, you know, to deliver healthcare. Yeah. And, and I think at some level that that is, you know, both of those things. Um, because it, the, there is obviously no silver bullet here. Both of, both of these things are being explored um, pretty aggressively inside of the systems and, and, and the ecosystems. So whether that's, um, you know, telemedicine or, or whether that's, you know, virtual, virtual nurse care where you've got, you know, more experienced um, providers uh, overseeing, you know, larger spans of control and you have less experienced folks doing some of the hands-on stuff. I think all of those things are, are being um, explored with. What can organizations do right now? Um, you know, and you know, I think a lot of it starts with, you know, a ensuring that you've got a, a good culture, a good place to come to work, right? And so, uh, one of the things that you will note as you travel, you know, system to system, is that you know the the organizations that are led well, uh, the organizations that that are patient and people first. Um, you know, find themselves being able to take a stronger employee value proposition out to the existing market that that is there. And so, you know, that that's like HR speak a lot of it. But the reality is, is like, if you don't have a great place to work, you're going to have a hard time people, you're going to have a hard time getting people to work there regardless. Um, yeah. And so, uh, you know, I think the other thing that we're seeing a ton of is just this, this idea of shift flexibility. Um, you know, th this gig economy, this gig idea has shown up. And, and the reality is, is clinical workers, right? They want flexibility too, right? I don't want to be strapped to traditional shifts, traditional ways and models of working. And so I think there, there, there will be, and, and there is evolution afoot, um, you know, certainly, certainly there. And so, you know, foundationally for us, when, when we start uh, and we, we start working with one of our clients, we start at the foundation of the employee value proposition. If you don't have a strong EVP, you're building on sand. Um, and, and so it's just very hard to do much of anything uh, of, of um, you know, substantial movement, substantial improvement without having a strong employee value proposition. So I, I don't know, those are a few thoughts, you know, maybe outward but then you know maybe some stuff to activate on and think yeah. about right now yeah a couple of things sort of come to mind as you were explaining that one obviously retention because like you said all of these things are great and you know recruiting is one thing but it doesn't matter if everybody's leaving right out the back door so yep. you can't just solve the you know the recruiting and the efficiency and all that because if they're not staying you're always having to, you know, one up the system. And then another thing that I've always found interesting, and I'm, I'm curious if, if you're seeing this as well, is, you know, we're having these conversations around AI and technology and robots and, you know, all this cutting edge stuff. Yet you'll talk to a major health system recruiting, you know, 30, 40, 50, 100 doctors a year at a million and a half revenue. And the people that are tasked with doing that don't even have a CRM or an ATS. Yeah. I mean, how is that possible? 
So we were talking a little bit about, um, you know, just how the the nursing uh, side of the house, the infrastructure there, um, you know, maybe that there is ATS, there is CRM infrastructure there that, you know, could be valuable on the physician side. The, the physician work that I have done, you know, sometimes you'll find that, you know, that um, that process on the physician side is a lot different you know, from, you know, the nursing recruitment that, that you see day in and day out. Yes, recruitment is recruitment, but there's a lot of nuances. And the reality is at some level, recruiting a physician is like very similar to an executive level, you know, type of, of recruitment. That being said, um, I, I, I feel very confident whether it's, you know, scheduling efficiency, um, database mining or sourcing and outreach. Uh, a lot of the tools that have been built that are, are being built, um, you know, that have maybe um, some machine learning attached to them, some, some advanced automation um, are very real and very practical for the physician side of the house. And, you know, I, I'd imagine that there are early adopters and organizations out there that are investing this, but I don't disagree with you. You know, sometimes, you know, you will see tech stacks um, that are not as mature uh, on the physician side of the house. And and you kind of wonder why, like, hey, these are, are the revenue producers yeah. inside of the organizations. It makes logic sense that it is something that should be invested heavily in. Yeah, I, I've, I've always wondered that I actually just ran some math and it's like, you look at if an average provider is generating a million and a half revenue and you're trying to task somebody with recruiting 30 to 40 of them a year, I mean, could you imagine in any other industry, somebody being tasked with generating 70, $80 million and yeah. not having every tool you know, imaginable? Tool that, like, yeah. yeah. Hey, here, here's Microsoft Excel. Let's go ahead and get after this. So, <laughs> right, right, right. Here, here's your email. Um, go. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. So talk a little about the podcast. Sure. What is, you know, how did you get started in that? Why, why did you want to launch that? Who should be listening? Yeah. Um, I... Uh, stumbled into the podcast idea. Uh, I took a digital writing course um, at the beginning of um, last year and um, uh, wanted to um, uh, share more uh, on LinkedIn was my main objective. Um, so I started, um, you know, writing 300 word, 180 word posts, trying to do one or two a week and um, really just trying to share valuable insights uh, into what was going on inside of talent acquisition. At that point in time, I was on the board of directors of um, uh, NACR, National Association of Healthcare Recruiters, and um, took to them an idea of, um, you know, as part of their mission, training and, and development uh, of talent inside of, uh, you, know, the, uh, you know, the ecosystem, uh, recruiters specifically, um, of a, uh, a 10 pilot episode of a podcast uh, experience uh, interviewing and, and talking to um, specifically niche, um, you know, TA leaders uh, in healthcare. Um, and so um, did that. We actually ended up doing um, uh, 15 episodes with, with NACR. Um, as I moved over to Rogue Hire, uh, we decided to, to roll the podcast forward. Uh, really with the same, um, uh, you know, audience uh, and same, uh, you know, kind of target uh, interviewee is, is heads of TA uh, in, you know, in uh, really any size, uh, you know, health system. And so um, for me, uh, you know, as I was doing my digital writing, um, what the podcast really served as was, was a great, um, you know, content and idea anchor, right? And so getting a chance to uh, interview a head of TA, talk to them, learn about the subtle nuances inside of their system, what they're challenged with, what they're doing to solve them. Um, for me, uh, was was a really great opportunity to 
uh, you know, apply and, and uh, you know, kind of flex some of these interviewing skills that I've developed over the last, you know, couple of decades. And so uh, I, I really enjoy it. Um, you know, it's uh, um, whoever I interview, uh, I kind of have the the uh, the approach of a real dialogue podcast. So I don't actually send any questions in advance. It's kind of like, Jerry, what you and I are doing today. Hey, here's some themes that maybe we'll get into, but let's see where we go together. Uh, and then uh, they got to feel great about it, you know, and so I will, uh, um, you know, do a little bit of a write up, kind of go through the episode again and, and say, hey, if you want to publish it um, and, and you feel good about what we just did together, then let's do it. If you don't feel great about it, then let's not do it, you know, and so yeah. uh, um, I enjoy it. It's, it's uh, you know, uh, something I try to do one every other week. Um, it's something that I um, circle on my calendar as uh, as something that I really look forward to. And it, it allows me and permits me the opportunity to get to know some really cool people along the way. Yeah, essentially why I did the same thing. I mean, it, you know, I, I'd been wanting to get out there for a while and actually started booking people on the podcast I have before I actually made it as the way to, okay, I've actually got to figure this thing out now and met yeah. a ton of really cool people. And I swear every single one I've learned at least, you know, two or three things where you're totally. like, okay, I can, I can apply that here. I can take it here because, yep. you know, you think it's recruiting. It's, you know, we all kind of been in the industry a while, but it, everybody has a different little idea that can make, you know, that yeah. one little idea can make such a world of difference in, in everything you do. So uh, it's so true. Form. It's so true. There is literally yeah. no interview that goes, you know, the, the same. They're all are different. And that's uh, that's the great thing about, um, you know, getting to engage with uh, humans on a day to day basis. Yeah. So people listening out there that are maybe needing some help with, you know, sure. organizing, organizing all this stuff and maybe looking at a tech stack, you know, revamp sure. or even, you know, just basics. How would they get a hold of you for Rogue Hire and um, you know, any yeah, I mean, uh, you can check us, yeah, check us out, uh, you know, at, at roguehire.com. Uh, you also can just hit me up on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm very active there. Uh, and so uh, kind of a, a you know, a no pressure, uh, you know, type of, uh, you know, individual. I, I didn't necessarily, um, uh, you know, kind of grow up, uh, you know, uh, on the, you know, the sales side of the house or whatever. What what I'm interested in most is is providing value to um, you know, heads of TA. Uh, and so one, one of the things that we've got going on right now is uh, our annual benchmarking study. It's a free study that, that uh, if you put your data in, you get, you know, your data benchmarked back to, uh, you know, your organization. And we look at things like uh, productivity, um, you know, cost of investment, resourcing. Uh, we'll take a deep dive into filled requisitions and, and how you're performing against things like time to fill, time to source, um, you know, your your application to hire ratio, you know, 20s of 30s of 40s uh, of different, um, you know, nuanced benchmarks to help your operation. And so I would say, hey, if you want to get started, you know, uh, and, and kind of learn more about us, get involved in the benchmarking study, uh, you know, reach out uh, and, and engage in that at, at that level and, and get some value for yourself yeah. and your team. You know, it's, it's another area where I, I don't understand why there's such a gap. I mean, how you can run staffing and recruiting for an organization of any size without data, it, it's impossible. And, you know, we yeah. actually kind of do the same thing on the locum side to where, you know, I talk to systems all the time and you ask about, you know, how much money are they spending? What are their, what are their rates? What time to fills? They don't have any of that data. Yeah. When you actually get the data, it's significantly higher than they thought it was. So, you know, it, it's important because without that, 
you're, you're working, but you don't know that you're working in the right direction or that you're working on the right stuff. So yeah, I would highly recommend anybody listening to definitely take that because, uh, you know, you're, you're nothing without the data to, to show. Yeah, and, you. And, and it's hard to figure out where to point your attention to. So like, Hey, is, is a time to source of, 50 days, right? Which is, um, you know, median average, is that good or is that bad? Right. And so like when I'm going back to my leadership team, you know, uh, is it, you know, something as high level as time to fill in healthcare right now is, is a time to fill of 71 days, good or bad right now it's a median inside of healthcare, right. Um, across our data set of, of, of 95 different clients. And so the, the, um, the ability and the strength that that Jerry, to your point, that it gives you is is so crucial and so important. Um, and uh, you know, I think uh, over the years of, of of me running, you know, TA teams, I've learned that absence of that um, creates um, you know a, a little bit of a potential for narratives to show up uh, and actually, unfortunately, point your team in the wrong wrong direction. Um, and, and so, um, you know, I'm adamant about it, uh, and, and, uh, you know, regardless if you do, you know, something, uh, you know, on, uh, you know, our advisory side or you, you purchase, you know, um, you know, recruitment training from us or whatever, that's not important. What's important is the ability for you to have the information to run your ops. And, and, uh, you know, we, we give that value away for free. That's awesome. Yep. Last thing I wanted to get into is this idea of strategy and long-term planning where, sure. you know, so many people out there seem to be very on their heels, reactive, a need comes in for a particular specialty and it's okay, let's go and place those on a job board and let's start firing up some emails and some text messages to that specialty versus setting up an ongoing strategy that's continually generating candidates. If you went into a new system, either, you know, in your current role as mm -hmm. a consultant or if you were hired into a hospital that was struggling with these things, mm -hmm. what do you think it is? Is it them being so overwhelmed they don't feel like they have the time to sit back and yeah. get a strategy or do they not know how? And what advice would you give to maybe help with both of those? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and I think really at some level, you know, what we're, what we're maybe talking about is, is workforce planning. And so the very tactical first thing that, that, that we would do, I would do is to establish a demand plan. Um, and so like, Hey, you know, this is just a math problem, right? Um, how many, um, you know, FTEs, uh, how much headcount do we currently have? What is our targeted rate of attrition, right? Um, what is our hiring pace and what is that Delta? And does that Delta, um, is that good or bad for us? Are, are we either going to meet our hiring objectives or not meet our hiring objectives? You know, Jerry, there's a, there's a lot of organizations out there that don't have the, the basic kind of fundamentals in place um, in and around the rigor of establishing an annual demand plan, but then refreshing it on some cycle, right? To say like, hey, are we tracking against um, you know, our, our demand plan. And, and do we know specifically where the unique applicants are going to come from to fill that demand plan? Right. And so, you know, if I know that, 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 that I need to um, hire a thousand nurses in a year, just as a really basic example, but my TA team has only been able, able to produce 
500 hires a year for the last three years. I just can't magically show up one day and expect that a thousand hires are going to show up right. at my door because we've shown and we've demonstrated that we can only do 500. So where's, where are those extra 500 going to come from? And so I think establishing the demand plan with the business is the very first thing that you got to do to get everybody on the same page. Once that's done, then you take that demand plan. And, and in my opinion, you do, you do two things with it. Number one is you look at your capacity uh, on the TA side, right? And you say like, hey, right, do I have the capacity? Do I have the human talent? Do I have the human power to, um, you know, create the the fill production that's needed to meet this demand plan? So do, do I just have the people or am I short there, right? So you can create some dialogue about that off of the demand plan. Then you look at the applicant flow, right? And, and again, you have all this data. If you've got an ATS, you've got a CRM, you know what this data you know, is. And, and you look at that thousand, you realize you're 500 short, and you're saying to yourself, can the tactics that I have deployed, whether that is my referral program, whether that is my GN strategy, whether that is my um, you know, job distribution strategy, do I have the right investment in each one of the levers that I can pull to plus my 500 to get me to my thousand or do I not? Right. And so what you might uncover pretty quickly, right. And an exercise like that is, um, you know, you're, you're, you're looking at your, your Delta, you're realizing that the market, the, the market, the experience market can't supply the level of talent that, that I need. And I need to hire a, a different type of provider to fill that gap. So I, I, I maybe need to hire more GNs. We've seen this um, across really um, most of our uh, you know systems that we work with, is that they've went from being able to and focusing on you know maybe having 15, 20 percent of their annual hires be you know graduate nurses, to in some cases 35, 40, 50 percent of their new hires being um, GNs. Now that puts pressure on the, the system. But it informs you what you need to do. You yeah. need to hire more preceptors. You need to hire, um, you know, more 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 training infrastructure to do that. And so again, if you don't have that demand plan and you haven't mapped that demand plan to your capacity plan and you haven't mapped it to the market, you're, you're just kind of um, you know hoping that that uh, you know the talent that you need is going to yeah. show up. And so for me, that's where I would start uh, any conversation. Yeah, I, I think that's fantastic. I mean, it, it sounds like an incredible and difficult workload doing it properly. Mm -hmm. Can't even imagine what it would be like to not be doing that, just to be exactly working and doing things without knowing where you're going, where are you tracking, where do you yeah. need where? I mean, so, yeah. Yeah, I, like I, if you're ahead of TA and you can't stand up and say, hey, TA team, like in 2023, here's the objective. And this is cascaded from the business. The, the biggest challenge is getting the business to throw a flag in the sand on some things, right? So, hey, what, what are we going to do to turnover this year? Turnover is 30% this year. How are we going to improve it? At what level? What level are you going to commit to on improving turnover this year so that I can build the demand plan off of what I need to bring in externally in the organization? Oh, wait, I'm not going to commit to any um, uh, uh, turnover uh, reduction or improvement this year. Okay, well, then that tells me that I've got to hire X additional yeah. from, from the outside, and that X additional is going to cost us X additional, right? And so, again, I, I, I just would uh, inspire, you know, heads of TA um, to um, start with that anchor. And, and to your point, Jerry, it's tough work. It's not easy work. That's a difficult thing to do, but the organizations that do it well 
get in a common communication with their business. They get in a common cadence and they can start to look at things and say like, either we're being successful together or we're not being successful together, right? And if we're not successful at meeting these higher objectives, what do we, the team, the collective team, uh, what do we got to do to, to, to deal with that? But yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't stand a chance if you can't get, get folks on the, on the same page. So agreed. Matt, last question before I let sure. you go. What is something that you would recommend to the audience and why? And it could, doesn't have to do anything with staffing, a book, a movie, anything you could think of that you would recommend. Um, that's a good question. I guess um, a couple of things that, that are part of my daily habits. Um, and I have them actually sitting next to me. I, I, uh, I'm really uh, big on uh, stoicism. So uh, I do. Yeah, Ryan Holiday. Uh, um, yeah, Ryan Holiday. Uh, I got two of them right here, and and so every day, uh, I'm uh, uh, using Ryan Holiday's uh, structure on the Daily Stoic. Um, so I journal each day. Um, I really like the prompts there, the reminders, uh, you know, that type of thing. And then um, for Father's Day this year, my sister got me the Daily Dad, and so I'm a girl dad, um, and so um, I really enjoy those reminders, um, you know, daily. Um, and, and so this is a good place, um, to start your day, yeah. um, and, and build good habits and kind of put your, put your, uh, mind right, um, before you get moving. So yeah, that's a tip, uh, you know, quick yeah. uh, tip from my desk. So that's awesome. Memento Mori. <laughs> yeah, man. Indeed. Right. All right. Well, Matt, it's been a pleasure. This has been fantastic. Yeah. I know the audience is going to love it. I really appreciate you coming on. Appreciate and, you, Jeff. Uh, everybody, hope you enjoyed as much as I did and stay tuned for the next episode.